0: And welcome to this edition of State of the Media, a weekly podcast about journalism. I'm your host, Brian Anderson. Usually we have a terrific guest, but this week we have two terrific guests on this special homecoming edition. I'm talking, of course, about Dean Paul Parsons here at Elon University and the lovely alum herself, Jane Siddell. Thank you guys for coming on. It's great to have you. Thank Thank you. you. So just for starters, can you introduce yourself Mm -hmm. and and tell us a little bit about how, how you found Elon?
1: Sure, so, um, so I'm the founding dean of the School of Communications, came here in 2001. I uh, First heard about Elon in uh, about a year and a half earlier. I was in Singapore, and Elon was advertising for a founding dean of a new communications school. It really interested me, but I was on sabbatical from Kansas State University at the time. I was not eligible to leave Kansas State, so I did not express interest. Elon, a year later, advertised they were continuing their search for a dean. Now I was a free agent, I applied, I visited campus. Like so many students, you see campus and you say, well this just feels like it. And I was thrilled when I was offered the position.
0: And what was that moment like when you first got here? Did you realize this is the place to be right away?
1: Yeah, I was a a bit of a snob in the sense that (laughs) I thought that I needed to be at large state universities. And so when I visited a smaller private university, I suddenly realized that I'd had my eyes half shut for most of my career. And Jane, what brought you to Elon? Um,
2: I grew up in North Carolina, so I have heard of Elon. Um, not that many kids from my high school went here. Uh, I actually found it one day, I played competitive softball, uh, and we had a tournament near here, and I saw a billboard for it and asked my parents if we could just go look at it. I was in the ninth grade and I thought it was really cool looking campus. And so in my head for all of high school, college was like Elon is like the picture of college in my head and um, chem senior year, I was picking between Chapel Hill and Elon and just kept coming back to Elon because it just felt right and I'm very happy with my choice.
0: (laughs) And what made you decide to to go into media analytics and then I'll have Dean Parsons give a little bit of overview about how that program came about?
2: Yeah, totally. Well, when I came to Elon, I was originally a media arts and entertainment major, and then they restructured the, like, the comm curriculum my, at the end of my freshman year, I believe, Um, and it became cinema and television arts. So I just switched over to that major, and throughout those courses, I kind of realized that I don't want to be working on a set, um, and started looking at other majors. Um, and found media analytics and thought it was very interesting and took the like first class and was just obsessed with it and thought it was so fascinating. Um, so that is how that came about. <laughs> and, and
0: why invest in a media analytics major? One, one thing that I guess is the beauty and perhaps the danger of being a, a comm student at, e- at Elon is the majors seem to be shifting and every five years or something there seems to be a new major and something else is dropped. How did this media analytics program mm-hmm. come about?
1: Well, it's true. Uh, roughly every five years, new majors get created and some get dropped. And we're trying to be on the cutting edge of where media and communications is going. And sometimes being on the cutting edge means being on the bleeding edge. And so that's true with media analytics. Uh, we're, the, we're the one and only media, under, a- media analytics major in the country. Um, And as a result, we don't have anyone to go to to learn what works and what doesn't work. We're having to sort of discover that as we go. That's what I mean by being on the bleeding edge. We're cutting ourselves uh, (laughs) as we do this. So uh, it's very exciting for us. We, We have a faculty that wants to innovate, and we heard from our professional advisory board about the importance of media analytics and that they really pushed us to consider this as a new major.
0: And what were some of the growing pains that, that you've seen with the program?
1: Well, I'd say one that we're experiencing now is, it's so social media analytics focused that we have some students who would say, we we would like to explore other forms of analytics so other than when, social media, yeah. exactly. And, and also, it's a matter of getting access to, to real data so that we can engage in analytics that is not... Just social? Just social. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Jane, can
0: you tell me a little bit about what the the program looked like for you and and how it got you to where you are today? Because I think that's something the Dean Parsons and Elon's pretty quick to brag about. It has a a Wall Street (laughs) Journal going now. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: Well, you talking about that Elon is the only school with an analytics program like this? Um, I got my first interview because my boss wanted to know what the major was. Uh, my current <laughs> boss was very curious about it um, and she was also curious about some of my other experience with ENN. Um, and that's
0: Elon News Network, Elon- the student media organization here on campus. Yeah,
2: um, I started an analytics team there and she was just kind of curious about like, what is a school that has this program where you're doing the exact thing that we're hiring someone to do? Um, so. Uh, I think it's a very cool program. I don't know. Um, a lot of what we did in my classes was social oriented, so I've there's been a bit of a learning curve at my job right now of learning like more pure data analysis and like data cleaning, and um, it's a lot data heavier in the actual field than like um, the sort of like social media focus that the analytics classes here have.
0: Um, so, so what are you doing right now with the Wall Street Journal and and how have you been prepared or, or not prepared for yeah, that? Yeah, so
2: my current job is I'm a junior audience analyst. Um, hopefully, I get to drop the junior eventually. <laughs> <maybe>. <laughs> I don't know. I obviously am five months in, but I just feel silly being like, junior. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, day in, day out, we work on both. I work on a team with another girl and then the director of newsroom analytics. And then we have a couple other associates that do more audience development, but we're on the data side of things. Um, where editors will come to us and ask us, like, for example, um, hurricane coverage in the month of September. We wanted to know if we were overcovering, uh, undercovering if like people in Texas were reading our Harvey coverage, who were we being helpful for? Like we took down our paywalls, public service, right. like are people reading this? How can we do better for the next hurricane? And so then taking all of the data from those stories, kind of compiling it into a report to give to the editors and then them taking that and using it to shape what we do in the future so we do ad hoc stuff and then more deep dives into each section of like huge comprehensive things looking at every single possible metric and like using it to um look at how stories are performing across a lot of different ways and then how can we cut back on certain things or do things that our subscribers really like do you
0: guys use chartbeat
2: we do not use chartbeat
0: okay and just for for listeners who aren't familiar that's that's sort of a and I, I don't want to say entry level or, or yeah, basic, it's like a, but
2: it's... It's a real-time updating analytics software that shows you how many people are concurrently on your website. That's mm-hmm. kind of their like selling point is that it shows you concurrence. Um, we use Parsley, which a lot of other media outlets tend to use. Um, they don't focus as much on concurrence, but more so on like other metrics that you can play around with and toggle, and it's pretty user-friendly, and the editors like playing around in it. And
0: I want to get more to the Wall Street Journal with Dean Parsons. Yes. It's on my <laughs> mind, I've got to ask... Why the retirement, um, <laughs> why, why are you leaving us? <laughs> I feel a little bit
1: sad. So my wife uh, was an elementary school teacher for many years and she has a saying that says, kill a game, don't let it die. And I said, what, what is that? and she says when you have elementary kids playing a game, they're enjoying it or they're doing a learning activity, you wanna make sure you kill the game before they get tired of it and don't wanna play it again. So I started applying that to my own career, thinking kill a game, don't let it die. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather step down as dean just a little bit before people think I would rather than run the risk of staying a little too long and then finally doing it and people go, well I thought it would never happen. Mm-hmm. So, so I feel like I have a lot of energy left and, and as a result I'm, I'm returning to the faculty, I'm looking forward to teaching again.
0: What are you gonna be teaching?
1: I don't know. It depends on the department chair. What, who do, you, what, do, you,
0: what do you want to be teaching so, in the perfect world? So
1: I was teaching media law and ethics my first uh, many years as dean here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't been doing that the last few years because the the, the school has simply grown larger and, and the duties of the position have grown. But I'm hoping to have some portion of media law and ethics. Uh, I'm certainly open to the Great Ideas capstone course, uh, COM 100, which is communications in a global age, media writing, I'm, I'm willing to take it all on.
2: Those are cool classes because it touches all of the majors. Like, mm-hmm. those are some of my favorite ones because it forced me to interact with people that I wasn't constantly working yeah. with in my analytics classes that I, like, became friends with kids in StratCom and Journalism and Cinema and, it, like, mm-hmm. helped me to learn about things Yeah, and all across.
0: And do you want to be teaching those upper level courses and the advanced ones or do you want to sort of be the, the face that freshmen and sophomores <laughs> first see when they get here?
1: I'm really willing to do either uh, okay. and maybe a mixture because I'm you know, i I'm, I'm open to the COM 100 first semester students and then I'm also open to the seniors who are ready to graduate and, and doing a, an undergraduate research project.
0: And I want to end this first segment just a general question for both of you. Mm. Uh, wh- what do you know now that you, you
1: wish you knew when you got here? So, I don't think most of us think real far ahead. We, we get an opportunity and we take that opportunity and, and we enjoy it or we move on to another opportunity, but I would say uh, I sure certainly didn't expect to be the dean 17 years later. Longest I,
0: serving dean in the country, right?
1: Well, that's what they say. That's right. So, so uh, I'm willing to be called the longest serving dean, but sometimes I'm introduced as the oldest dean in the country, and that's not, I don't think, quite, quite right, that's right. So I'm, um, I would say um, uh, enjoy what you're doing and, and if you keep enjoying it, and people you work with keep enjoying you doing it, uh, it can turn into a 17-year career that's, that's a delight. Jane, what, did, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first arrived?
2: Similarly, but not similarly, but uh, <laughs> just that if you have something in your head that you're chasing after, it isn't set in stone. And to not freak out if your plans change, um, that I came into college thinking like I'm gonna be the next Tina Fey, obviously. Like, I you want that- You do ha- have the quick comebacks. I, w- I, once I, had a fu- I can attest to I that. I once <laughs> had a funny tweet. I'm definitely gonna be like <laughs> SNL's next head writer. Um, and like, kind of had like a weird coming to terms with like, okay, so I'm not gonna be famous. It's okay, like I'll recover. Um, but like, even now I'm sort of still kind of like, okay, like you just take everything as it comes and try not to plan so far into ahead. I'm very type A, and I want to know exactly what my life's going to look like 50 years down the road. Um, And I'm sure past me was the same way, but, I don't know, telling past me that it's going to be okay. Like, no matter what happens, things work themselves out.
0: Well, maybe you could be the next longest serving dean. I hear they have an opening. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, on that note, we'll take a quick break and, and be right back talking about issues across the media landscape. You're listening to State of the Media. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to this edition of State of the Media. If you like what you're hearing, then you'll love my weekly newsletter. Each week I provide updates on the latest news I am breaking. To subscribe, just visit bryanranderson.com. Again, that's b-r-y-a-n-r-a-n-d-e-r-s-o-n.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to State of the Media. I'm your host, Brian Anderson. We're here with Elon University Dean of the School of Communications, Paul Parsons, and a recent alum now working at the Wall Street Journal, Jane Siddell. Great to have you guys on. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about issues that that we're seeing across the the media landscape. I I guess a good place to start is with Jane. What we're seeing right now with social media, there's uh, Snapchat. We're just having news outlets use the discovery feature more and more. How do you see newsrooms adjusting to these new social networking platforms? Yeah, we
2: actually have, we're on Snapchat Discover, like the Wall Street Journal is, um, which is so interesting because that's kind of um, not what you would think our exact audience would be, but it's kind of a cool tool for uh, traditional media outlets to reach new audiences. Um, Especially, like, we like to imagine that, like, you know, the kind of people viewing our Snapchats are maybe like, college students that are studying business and like this is how they get their like business news and we're reaching them that they wouldn't usually like get a copy delivered um so it's kind of a cool tool to like break into new audience segments that we haven't previously been able to um but it is interesting because when these new types of social media platforms come about you never know if they're going to stay like you don't know their staying power um so snapchat was a weird thing because <coughs> It kind of like gained popularity and this obviously happened before I was on staff but um, the the team currently that does our snapchat that curates that um, they were one of them that I'm friends with was a contract worker and they like weren't sure that they could full-time hire someone and it was on the the new and emerging media team. It wasn't like a full-time, it wasn't like a, oh, well, I don't know, like Is Snapchat
0: here to stay? That's the question. No, like
2: imagine if we had created a Vine team, you know, like those (laughs) sorts of things. Like we we hired a team to make Vines and then Twitter folds Vine. Like what do you do, you know? Um, Snapchat is obviously like, they had their IPO, everything's doing okay for the most part. Um, But like with newer platforms, it's like very hard to like put full resources into it, even if they are taking off because everything is so wobbly, I don't know. One
0: of the problems I I think I'm seeing is there's a tendency for journalists and and, uh, news organizations once something new comes up, They, they wanna get on it. We've gotta have Instagram because Instagram's a thing. We gotta get Snapchat on it. This is just open for either of you. What proportion do you think news outlets are responding to these new technologies versus being proactive and and sort of getting ahead of things? Dean Parsons waving to Jane, <laughs> putting Jane on the spot. No,
2: that's fine. Um, I don't know. It's harder for me to think about it in that terms mainly because our um, we don't tend to focus on saying we don't focus on social media is incorrect, but. A lot of our focus is still on like traditional journalism and like mm-hmm. um, most of the conversations had in the newsroom are like, how do we best tell this story? Like mm-hmm. what sort of graphics and photos and videos? Like, we are still extremely journalism focused. Um,
0: so, so when something new comes up, with, with technology or, or with social media, do you find yourself kind of burdened with, with this? this no, we're new we're always, thing?
2: we take it with like a grain of salt and a lot of curiosity, wondering how we can use it to our advantage. LinkedIn has recently started, they have like a kind of what's trending thing similar to Facebook's, because we notice our LinkedIn traffic like kind of like spiking a little bit, spike is the wrong word, uh, mm. just slowly, slowly growing. <laughs> um, and we were very curious about that, like, oh, how could we leverage this to our, like, oh, we have an audience on LinkedIn, cool, what kind of stuff are the people on LinkedIn looking for? Okay, well, we can do this, this, and this. So, like, it's with a grain of salt, a lot of excitement, a lot of curiosity, so, like, not fully throwing yourselves into, like, these new technologies, but, like, just kind of tinkering around with it and, like, doing a little bit of unofficial A-B testing and see what's working better on different things and, I don't know, just taking it day by day rather than throwing yourself into it.
1: So, as Jane describes it in the professional world, it's really the same in the education world. Some years ago, I remember we had a debate or discussion in the faculty of whether to create a social media course as an elective. And we ultimately said, well, no, we're not going to isolate social media in a course. Social media needs to be pulsing through the curriculum in an appropriate way. Mm -hmm. So I would say we're probably discussing social media in some context in every course in the school now, rather than isolating it in a course. And the same is true with other technologies. So we, we trust our faculty to be introducing new things to students. Frankly, when it comes to technology, the students may be ahead of us on those <laughs> things. Uh, and so we would call that more of an integrationist approach to uh, technology and, and to social media.
0: To what, what's the biggest challenge you've seen as, as dean as these new platforms have emerged?
1: Uh, faculty development. And so we have greatly increased uh, our our funding and our support and our encouragement of faculty to go to workshops or to spend a week in a different environment, particularly in the summer, uh, so that they're understanding the new technologies. And so we call that faculty development. And, and it's what keeps faculty fresh and, and as current as we can be.
0: One thing I did want to talk about, and this is sort of transitioning outside of this conversation, for. For Elon University, it's unique in that it has a, a communications advisory board, mm-hmm. and there's other alumni networks at other schools. Uh-huh. How, how is this advisory board formed within the School of Communications, and how is it being used to, to help students like like Jane go to the, the Wall Street Journal and become these
1: alums that you can promote? Mm-hmm. Well, the advisory board has two types of members and and one would be professionals that we have simply come in contact with through the years and we invite them to come to campus as a guest speaker and they go, wow, I had no idea Elon was like this. And then they join our board and they've maybe been with our board eight or ten years now. The, The second type of member is the Elon parent and so as the School of Communications has become better known we are attracting some um families Ryan
0: Williams yes
1: with uh, with high media credentials and so probably half of our advisory board are are current or former parents of elon students not necessarily communication students so they are um opening doors at uh uh, organizations, either in internships or, or career possibilities.
0: I've got to ask, Brian Williams is perhaps the, the mm-hmm. most well-known of the, the members of the advisory board. Back in, in 2015, I know the school was having a conversation of, do we distance ourselves from, from someone who's going through through troubles right now, mm-hmm. or, or do we em- embrace him, do we hold him closer? What was that, that conversation like, and, and what's his relationship with Elon today?
1: Well, his relationship with Elon today is very strong. He was here last spring with his wife and and son.
0: Tug Williams. Yeah,
1: that's right, and um, uh, and we honored him at the dedication event. Uh, no question, uh, he experienced some tough times when he was removed as the anchor of NBC News. Uh, and when NBC brought him back in his role with MSB, NBC Today, uh, we, we celebrated that uh, because he, he is just uh, a terrific individual who would come to our classes and be a great speaker. Uh, the last time here last spring, uh, he went into a class with Doug, his son. And so they sort of had the father-son back and forth, mm-hmm. which was, which was uh, great to see.
0: And Jane, for you, what's, what's the most helpful resource that you would urge students, either Elon or non-Elon, to, to take advantage of during their time in college,
2: your professors. Um, most of them have worked in the field that you're shooting for at some point. At least in my case, they have. Um, and it was, it was a media analytics professor that sent me this job and said you should maybe apply for this. Um, and it was him who I like before they flew me up to their office. I like was bugging him with questions and how do I impress them? What do I do? And he like calmed me down and was really helpful. Um, and even beyond a professional setting, like other professors when I've like been freaking out about the way that my career is going and this or that and even just being like very tired and the way that you get when you're in college and you've taken on too many different projects. Um, having professors that would just like listen to you talk, I don't know, pro- like I, I waited too long to make connections with professors, I was very quiet my first two years at college and I didn't really talk in class, hardly ever. Mm. Um, and come senior year, I was like, oh my God, everyone's so nice, like this is amazing. Like Dr. Hatcher will just sit and talk with me, like this is the greatest, this is the greatest. Oh my, and they're so smart and they're kind, like oh. what have I been doing? So like, <laughs> like, like they're really nice. I don't know, I was very scared of professors when I got to college. Um, probably because they're brilliant but like (laughs) they're humans too anyways i'm rambling (laughs) but professors are great
0: (laughs) well i I wanted to ask just to to end what most concerns you today about our media landscape and and what are you most optimistic about going forward jane (laughs) okay
2: well this past week was like a doozy for media if you've been like kind of plugged into that like um well nylon folded young women's magazine folded a couple months ago they folded their print edition Teen Vogue just folded their print edition. There have been scandals coming out in the entertainment world, and now it's kind of migrating over to the media industry. Um, the head of NPR's news department just stepped down in the wake of sexual right. harassment And then Harvey Weinstein opening um, the floodgates. Yeah, I know that was like kind of the f- one of the floodgates. A friend of mine works at NPR, um, and then Gothamist uh, just folded, and DNA Info, like these lo- hyper local places, have been folding. Um, like media is just in a very rocky place right now, and it's like kind of terrifying. Um, And I'm seeing like smaller papers, like I don't know, I'm a huge, the fact that I work at a large newspaper does not mean that I don't see the importance of local journalism. Um, And like watching smaller newspapers fold is very scary because like that's the stuff that impacts your daily life. Um, And I think that's gonna be one of the greatest challenges moving forward is if so many local, I say local papers because I work at a newspaper, but like local news stations and local newspapers, Um, And other local media outlets um, need to like find a new way to sustain themselves past just like advertising revenue um, because they're folding.
0: So so what are you most optimistic about going forward? The fact
2: that subscriptions are rising for a lot of other like newspapers. Mm -hmm. People are paying for journalism now. And And digitally. Digitally. Yes. Digital subscriptions for New York Times are growing. like they recently published that. Um,
0: Washington Post as well. Yeah, like people are willing
2: to pay for quality journalism and then that's literally going to save the industry, I believe.
1: Dean Parsons' biggest <laughs> challenge, biggest reason for optimism. Yeah, the biggest challenge in my mind is, is, uh, is media literacy. And what I mean by that is, when, when I first became dean here, I would say our courses focused on, on content creation. And content creation is still important, whether it's a news story or a podcast or something else, film. And then content distribution became more and more important that you couldn't just create content, you, you had to know there. how to re- reach mm-hmm. an audience or a participant. And, and so I would say we became dual in what we taught Content creation and content distribution, and I would say we really have to add a third one, and that's con- uh, that's the uh, that's media literacy. It's it's content understanding, mm-hmm. that you have to um, make sure you know that when you're resourcing a story, researching a story, that what you're getting is is true. Uh, there is truly a lot of fake news out there, and, and
0: actu- actual fake news. What, what yes, is that? well. <laughs>
1: So that's probably a bad phrase that I used. Uh, False I would,
0: information, perhaps?
1: <laughs> I would say there, there are stories that, that are called fake news by people who just don't like it. Uh, Do you have
0: an example of someone? Come
1: <laughs> on, but, but fake news is that there are people today who are creating stories. They're just fabricating stories, and that is fake news. And we need to make sure that, that our students today and in the future know how to discern what is truthful information from what is being fabricated to try to fool them. And I I would call that media literacy.
0: And your biggest note of of optimism
1: or, or hope going forward? Well I work at a university and so the students have to be my optimism. And so when I walk the halls, when I talk to students, I have a student advisory board that I meet with regularly. It just, it, it, it uh, makes me so positive about the future because there are some bright, bright young people today and I figure that they are going to keep sustaining us and leading us.
0: And I asked you this before we, we came on air and you've had some time to think, do you have a, an alum in mind or, or any sort of favorite student over your time here? <laughs>
1: So I'm not going to give you a name, but I will share a story with you. Okay, and so, I'll, I'll accept the dogs. And I think Jane will enjoy this too. So, so my first year as dean, uh, a senior came in to my office and she had been turned down to go to the Columbia University School of Journalism for a graduate degree. And she was really upset. And she said she had called them to, to ask, why was I not accepted? And the answer was, we've never heard of your school, talking about Elon. And she said, if you do anything, I want Columbia to have heard about Elon in the future. So I share this story because this year, Columbia University School of Journalism went after one of our faculty members. He didn't even apply for the job. They pursued him. Is
0: this Jonathan Albright? Yes,
1: and hired him away from us (laughs) despite my best efforts. And so we've had uh, the associate dean of the Columbia Journalism School come and visit Elon. I've been on accrediting teams with the dean at Columbia. Columbia knows about Elon. Oh, they, want so our, they want our students. And, and frankly, they now want our faculty. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really pleased about that, even though I lost a good faculty <laughs> member, because it sort of fulfills the promise that I made to this early, early graduate um, who said, uh, put Elon on the map.
0: Dean Parsons, Jane, Sadell, it's been a pleasure having yeah. you guys on. Thanks for coming on.
1: Good, thank you, so thank you, Brian.
0: And we'll see you back next week with another edition of State of the Media. And you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. For more information, just go to brianranderson.com/podcast. That's Brian with a Y, or as in richardanderson.com/podcast. See you soon.